Listener Production. Hi, I'm Anthony Matafari, and I'm the lifestyle editor at Car Sales. For me, when I'm out on the road on a road trip with friends and family, you tend to have conversations you wouldn't usually have anywhere else. So I thought it'd be a good idea to head out on the road with some well-known Aussies to get to know them a little bit better. Let's meet today's guest. Emma Friedman, thank you so much for taking us on for the ride. Thank you, Anthony, for having me. So tell us, what are we sitting in? We are sitting in a Lexus 350 NXH. So this is their mid-size four-wheel drive hybrid, obviously pretty luxurious interior. It's brand new on the market. So yeah, it's a hybrid, doesn't use as much fuel. Um, and I absolutely love it. It's like being in a lounge room. We've got leather seats, a massive screen. Yes. Um, very comfortable. So I'm looking forward to the ride. Before we head off, are you a car person? I think I am a car person. Um, I like driving. I've never had an issue with long drives or, you know, or zipping around the city. I quite enjoy that. I think it's good thinking time. Um, I can get frustrated mm. at slow or um, disorientated drivers. But yeah, in recent years, driving um, with Lexus, I've loved that as a partnership, but also I've done the last couple of Bathurst 1000s as well. So yeah, I've become a true motorhead. Well, keen to learn more. So let's fire this beauty up and hit the road. Okay. It's on, believe it or not. Very spaceship. It's very quiet. And we are ready to go. Um, Emma, what was your first car? My first car was a 95 VW Golf, second hand. Nice. So it was a nice first car, but it did have its issues. Mm. Um, I do remember coming downstairs. Um, I lived in an apartment with a couple of girls in Melbourne, you know, when I was in university and came downstairs one morning to, to drive to uni and um, it's like, why is the window down? I, I wouldn't have left the window down and looking for broken glass, like has someone broken into the car? and super confused. The bracket that holds the car window had broken and the car window had fallen oh, into the no. door of the car. <laughs> and that to repair is not only difficult, but it's expensive. Yeah. So um, I was driving around and parking without a window for, I'd say a good month or two at that point. That's Luckily brave. it was in summer. <laughs> I still remember the confusion going, there's no broken glass, but I can't put the window up. So where, where, did it go? where has the window <laughs> gone? So yeah, it, it was sitting in my the, the driver's side door for at least a couple of months. <laughs> so were you um, the designated driver? Did you do the road trips or were you always the passenger? No, I was uh, the driver. I was one of my... Uh, the the few of my friends to have my licence as soon as I turned 18. And yeah, some of my... My fondest memories are, you know, road trips from that time in my life. I remember going down to Falls Festival at Lawn with oh, nice. all my girlfriends, you know, five of us packed in a car in the boot, absolutely chock-a-block. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I drove a lot as, a, as soon as I got my licence um, and I still find myself driving a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was the learning to drive process? Like who was in charge of um, teaching you? Uh, my mum was probably the designated teacher. Um, I was very keen to start driving and, and to get my licence because, um, yeah, we did live in an area that was a little bit isolated from public transport, so it wasn't easy to get everywhere. Um, she says that I was like, you know, thought I knew everything from day one. Like I'd been driving 
you know, cars on family properties since I was very young and, um, you know, we'd done a lot of driving as a family. So probably thought I knew everything, which I certainly didn't. And I've learned a lot along the way. And yeah, as soon as I could take that test, I did and never looked back. So did you, because your family, obviously a well-known, well-respected horse racing family. Did you grow up around horses or was that kind of like separate side of the family business of Uh, horses there and then kind of your life? No, no. When you uh, grow up in a racing family, that's pretty much your life. So I think anyone you speak to who comes from a family that's really involved in the horse racing industry. Uh, Horse trainers, they never switch off. That is all that they're doing all day, every day. When I first was born into the world, I lived in a house uh, in Flemington that had stables at the back. So every day was out, you know, mixing feed and trying to help. I wouldn't have been helping. I would have been a hindrance. (laughs) Um, We had a family property up near Seymour as well um, in country Victoria where we would spell a lot of horses and we were up there every single weekend too. So, no, it was very well entrenched in our family. Having said that, I didn't really go to a race meeting until I was in my later teens and that's because it was my parents' workplace. Like, Mm. you know, you don't – a lot of kids, that don't go to their – you know, the accounting firm or I'm sure they don't go and, you know, work in the doctor's surgery. So I didn't I didn't get to a race meeting until I was um, in my teens. But, yeah, that's that's your life when you grow up in a family like that. It's every holiday revolves around when the carnivals are. Your day revolves around when your dad or your mum has to work. So my dad obviously works and still works very early mornings. I don't think dad dropped us to school a day in our schooling life because he was at work, you know, during those hours. And then Sundays, if you're in a racing family, are very precious because they're still racing on a Sunday. So you might have a couple of runners at, you know, country or provincial meetings, but there's no metro racing and uh, there's no fast, what we call fast fast work on a Sunday usually. So um, they're the days where you spend time as a family. When you were a teen Mm -hmm. and you were going to the meets, did you then start working or were you just kind of just you know, your dad, with your dad, just seeing what he does and then go, I'm going to go and do my own career elsewhere. So I actually started working in the family business when I was probably like 13, 14, very casually, you know, earning $5 an hour or something like that. Um, Trainers every Tuesday, most trainers um, send out reports to their owners about the work that their horse has done or the races that they're being set for or back in those days, you know, I'm talking 15, 20 years ago, what would happen is that my dad would record all of these uh, messages onto a dictaphone and they had to be transcribed into an email. So this is before you could send, you know, you would readily send MP3 files or whatever it is. I would sit there with the headphones on during school holidays and type them out. And that's how I learnt to type as well, um, was doing that. And I did that until I was... Oh, 20. I continued doing that kind of work in the in the family business until I was 20 and finishing my uni degree. So, and then post that year, I started to go, I really love this. I love the horse. I love the industry. I love the sport. How can I be a part of it? I knew that I, I've got the size to be a jockey, but I don't yeah. have the talent. Training horses is a very niche occupation and you have to have such a great connection you know, with thoroughbreds and um, you've got to have a certain mind for it. So I knew that my foray into the industry would be probably more in the the talking side of things. (laughs) And yeah, I I keep doing that now. I'm 34 and um, always at some point 
in my career have I been tied to the industry. So whether that be working for Channel 7 like I do now, you know, we broadcast 52 weeks a year of racing. Obviously, I work with Lexus and they're the sponsor of the Melbourne Cup. There's, there's a racing person texting me now, you know, <laughs> you can see that flash up on the screen. <laughs> you never switch off from it. Um, I own quite a few horses now. Um, I have some ladies syndicates that, you know, there's, there's great prize money and bonuses available to syndicates that race as women only. Okay. Um, so I do a bit of that. Yeah, and some of our best mates are, you know, in the industry as well. So I've always been tied to it and I, I know... It's one of those certainties in life that I'll always be involved in the industry because I just love it. Because you have worn many hats over, I'm going to say your short career, I'm sure your short life, really. Gosh, thank you. That's so complimentary. We're only a couple of years apart. You've done a lot more than I have. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you've obviously, you know, represented Lexus, um, you know, at carnivals, been horse racing. You've done the weather. Yes. You've but what is what is being a weather person like? Oh my gosh! So speaking of driving, that's you do a lot of driving when you're working the weather shift on a show like Sunrise or or the Today Show, like I did back in the day. Um, it was an amazing time of my life. I was 22 till I was 26, I think, or 21 till I was 26, and I travelled the world, travelled all around Australia. And you're trying to explain to people why you would travel across the country and overseas to do the weather. But we acted as a bit of a conduit, as a like a travel show, I guess. You know, we'd be showing different parts of the country, different sunrises, different different festivals to go visit, different attractions to take the family. Um, so as a single, you know, young person, that was an amazing job. I was on probably, on average, six flights a week. Wow. Driving, you know, we do a lot of rural locations, so we'd be in the car a lot. Yeah, really an amazing time of my life. It had an expiry date. I think a lot, a lot of those jobs do. Um, you know, if you want to settle down and have a family, I think it'd be a very difficult job to have. But at that point in my life, an amazing job to see the world and to learn about working with people as well because the crew that you travel with, they become your family. Um, you spend more time with them than anybody else in your life. And, uh, yeah, you learn a lot about know how to work as a crew but also you know you meet new people every day um, going to different locations and they're super excited to have a show like that there maybe in their town or their city so it's a part of my life that I I look back fondly on. Was there one memorable moment or cross that sticks with you? Oh goodness one of my favorite trips was we went to Dallas for the inaugural Sydney to Dallas um, flight with Qantas Dallas is a ripping city. The city of Dallas, but also Fort Worth. That was really exciting. Um, went to South Africa for the World Cup and did the weather over there in the middle of the night. Um, that was one of the first international trips I did. The international ones stand out because I um, I didn't travel overseas as a as a youngster. I went to Europe when I was you know 18, 19 years old for the first time, and you know, that's still pretty young in the scheme of things, but um, we didn't travel a lot as a family when I was younger. So going overseas, I still get excited yeah. by the fact that you can get on a plane and head to the other side of the world. Um, but yeah, then like, you know, there's great little towns and cities all across Australia that we visited that I loved. And it's funny, even nowadays, people will go, oh, I'm going here. Do you know anything? Do you know a cafe or have you been there? I go, oh yeah, I do. I've been there. And they go, why would you have been there? And I'm like, oh, to do the weather. People still go, that's just bizarre. So I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. What was it like being that young, but being, I guess, in the spotlight? Like, obviously, you have some exposure 
you know, because of your dad. But yeah. being on today, doing things for, you know, Wild World of Sport and Seven Sport and radio as well. I'm 34 and I have done a lot. And part of that, I think, is, you know, I finished uni when I was 20, 21. I finished school early and went to uni early. So I was ready to tackle the world from a young age. And I just wanted to work. I just love working. So... I think, you know, being young, you still, you make mistakes and um, you learn a lot along the way, but same as anybody, like you just get on with things and you continue to live and doing that from a young age, I didn't really, I didn't know any better. I just, um, I was having the time of my life. Because <laughs> you've interviewed lots of people as well. Mm-hmm. Was there any difficult interviews you've, you've oh. kind of cringed through and you could see it like falling Going, apart? Going, this is a car crash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> None really come to mind, but I've had some great opportunities to meet some really special people. You know, after after an amazing three Olympic campaign like Usain Bolt, he mm. co-hosted Wide World of Sports with us one day. That was a seriously mind-blowing day at work and he was in Australia. He often holidays in Australia and then if you're listening to this and you might remember when he Tried to play for the Central Coast Mariners yes. as well. <laughs> that, know, was, that, that was a moment. <laughs> that was a real wild time, hey? Um, so, yeah, Judah, Steffa, um, you know, they're very close. And he said, oh, you saying they'd like to come on the, you know, he's happy to come on the show. And we thought he'd come on for like, you know, maybe a segment. And he goes, no, I want to do the whole show with you. So he threw the rundown out that morning. And we go, great, this is just the Usain hour. How unreal is that? So, you know, probably the... It's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Um, you know, that was exciting. And then, yeah, with radio, like I've kind of dipped into entertainment there for a while. My, my great passion is sport. But, yeah, I got to do some some cool interviews with some you know, people in the movie industry and, and stuff like that. But the sport ones are always the ones that stick with me. Like only recently at Rose Hill, Frankie Dettori, so racing's greatest showman. Um, if you're a racing fan, you'll know who, if you're not, even not, you'll know who Frankie Dettori is. He's an amazing jockey and this is his final year in the saddle. He's going to retire after this season. I got to meet him recently and I was a bit starstruck as well. So I can't, maybe I block out the car crushes <laughs> just for pure self-preservation. But yeah, it's I love sitting down and learning something new from people, learning about people's stories, letting them tell their story. What's it like being interviewed then? Because you've done a lot of interviews, <laughs> like in, in the context of what we're doing I right find now. it weird because I don't think I'm for that interesting. And what I do is, you know, whether it's hosting a race day on Channel 7 or interviewing, you know, someone or... Uh, and there's a lot of interviews I do because when we do race days on seven, if I'm in the mounting yard and I'll do a pre-race interview with a trainer, I'll do a post-race interview with the winning trainer and then a post-race interview with the winning owner. So that's three, they're very small interviews Mm. um, within, you know, a 10 minute space. But then myself being interviewed, I find it weird because I don't think I'm all that interesting. Like I'm a mum, I'm married, got a beautiful dog. I love my work. I love sport. So I probably just view it, mate, as having a chance to have a conversation with someone new and you know you come across all different kinds of people in your life and I think that nearly every one of those meetings will be for a reason whether it be for me to learn something off you or um, you know to walk away from an experience of having a chat you know invigorated or you know feeling positive about the world or having learnt something and maybe the same can be said to someone that I'm chatting to so um view it as another conversation. (laughs) 
What's something about you that people might not know? Then, you, I, I, I know you think you're boring, but I, I, I'm sure there's something that's uniquely you that you know we'd be surprised about. Um, for the last year and a half, I have run every day, um, and I think that's something that when I tell people, they go, "What? Every day?" Yeah, I run every day, and it's been one of the great changes that I've made to my life since COVID. Is um putting on the runners at 5am every day and going for a run, whether it be 5Ks or 10Ks. And um, yeah, it's been a really positive change to my life, not only for my my fitness and my health, but also my mental capacity as well. Um, yeah, it's something that I do every morning for myself before my kids get up. And it was something that a friend of mine, Ben, started doing about 18 months ago as well. I think he was in a bit of a rut post-COVID and being locked down and... Um, you know, not really feeling himself. And I probably was a bit the same going, oh God, I feel like I've just drank wine and ate cheese for two years, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> <laughs> so I started running every day and um, yeah, even doing the Commonwealth Games broadcast last year, you know, our shift that I did with um, Matt Shervington was in the middle of the night. We were on air at 3am till 7am every day and People go, surely you didn't run there. No, I got up at 11.30pm and I ran. Ah. So that's, I don't know if that's that all that interesting. Well, I guess you are an athletic person because you did win Dancing with the Stars. Yes, yes. And dancing. Yes. So obviously that kind of athleticism is kind of in your blood. I, I'm not an athlete, but I am an athletic person, I think you would say. So from a young age, really always moving, dancing, running. I did diving for a bit. Played a bit of hockey as a kid, wasn't particularly good at it, but did it. Always just wanted to try new sports and, yeah, constantly be active. And then, yeah, I've never had a period in my life where I haven't been active, to be honest. Even through my pregnancies, I was always moving. Is the Mirrorball trophy just sitting on Oh, my God, I don't even know where it is. What? I actually think, I actually think it's still at the two-day or Triple M offices in Sydney. I actually don't know where it is. Mm. I think it's there. So if you're there... And it is there. Can you guys send we'll it? We'll get to pr- <laughs> pr- producer Kelsey who will edit yeah. this and stuff. We'll get her to go I look through the cupboard. There. Yeah, um, but it was. I loved doing that show. Like I'm not big on reality shows, so to speak. I don't watch any of them. But that was one that, when asked to do, I couldn't believe they asked me to do it. And then I just had to say yes because I love dancing and love movement, and um, I knew that people in the past who had done it, had had such a life-changing experience, you know, being put through a program that is so intense, so difficult, so physically demanding. And I that's the kind of stuff I go, yes, I'm going to do that. And I just loved it. I love the sparkles, love the music. I had a few injuries. I hurt a rib that needed a cortisone jab at Ooh. some point. My hips were shot by the end of it. I was the fittest and slimmest I've ever been and will ever be. I just loved it. I had a massive come down afterwards, though. I was like, oh, that's gone. Did you keep up the dance? I did for a bit. I did for a bit. I became very good friends with my partner, Arik, who I danced with, and his now wife, Marsha, who was also in the competition with Matt Mitchum. So, yeah, we became, the four of us became a little squad, and we went and did a few classes for a while, and I danced as a, at the Australian Championships a few months afterwards, but I haven't done it since babies. You've got to, I've learnt being a mum, you've got to prioritise certain things in your life that, you know, get results quickly. And for me, like, you know, the, the 40 minutes running in the morning I can do in the dark and 
sadly, the same can't be said for dancing. So at the moment, this phase of my life, I'm sure I'll come back to it. But, um, yeah, it's just the running at the moment. Well, you've got, as you said, kids, two little ones, a two and a three-year-old. Yeah. How's that, you know, transition to being a mum? It's a transition, you? you're right. Yeah. Um, I love being a mum. We have a lot of fun. It can be really challenging when you've got two toddlers. But, you know, there's a lot of joy in between it all as well and a lot of fun and a lot of giggles and a lot of firsts. I love seeing them, you know, do something for the first time and, you know, just get a massive buzz out of it. My little girl, she got a scooter from Santa for Christmas and um, she's only two and, my gosh, she can go on this thing. Her brother's a jet on it but she's also amazing and even just this morning there's a slight hill that goes down from the main road to our house. It's probably a 200 metre hill and she's wanted to do it for the last couple of weeks and I'm like, you're two years old, you just got to school like literally a month ago. Anyway, so this morning she did it and she got to the bottom of it and she went, me did it, me did it by myself. She doesn't understand I and me, you know what it's like. But me did it and I said, you did it all by yourself, sweetheart. And she's like, you know, help me. (laughs) And I said, no, I didn't help you, me did it. And, like, that is, like, that sense of accomplishment and achievement is, um, you know, that's only hopefully going to continue as they get older and they try new things and they find what they really love in life. But, yeah, I get a big kick out of being a mum. It's a big balancing act and you try and balance everything, but there's always going to be something that, you know, is pushed to the side at, you know, a certain point in time. But, yeah, I, lo- I love being a mum. Have you um, nailed all your, your mum looks, and especially in the car? Because if you've got two toddlers sitting in the back, surely oh, that the rearview mirror gets a workout. What is with kids pulling their socks and their shoes off in the car? <laughs> it is so annoying. Because <laughs> then you get, especially if it's raining, you get out of the car and you're trying to get them out of their car seat. They've got shoes and socks off. Oh, it's so annoying. It's like every time, like, why did you do this? And she just laughs at me. You're so annoying sometimes. Um, what were you like as a kid? Yeah, I probably was hard work. Oh my gosh, look at that puppy. Oh, cute. I've got a golden retriever and that's a little baby golden. So cute. Um, I have to ask mum and dad, but I reckon I probably gave them... I didn't give them much grief in my teen years. I was very focused at school and um, very studious. So I didn't give them a lot of hell then. But I reckon as a young kid, when they're, you know, the uncontrollable energy that urge to always move, mm. that's, like, it drives me nuts now as a parent. So I'm sure <laughs> It's kind of like a bit of payback. A hundred percent it is. And, you know, the days where I sit down and go, oh, my goodness gracious, can they just rest? I sometimes go, oh, my God, that's me. It's me. Your kids are reflected in, you know, it's like a mirror. What is your downtime? Because when the kids are asleep, when you're not, you know, hosting coverage or interviewing people with the racing, like, how do you switch off? I don't have, you know, like a lot of mums and dads, I don't have that luxury of a huge amount of um, downtime at the moment. What do I like to do in my spare time? Well, I run in the mornings. Um, I, I do consider that a downtime. It's like I don't run with music or anything like that. If I can every few months, I like going out for a nice dinner. I love food, so, you know, eating and, and drinking is good fun. Um, I wish I had more time for my friends at the moment. You know, most of our catch-ups are at playgrounds or mm-hmm. for a very quick pop-over. Um, 
yeah, like just in a season of life of working hard and and spending a lot of time with my kids and, um, you know, when Sundays are the day we have all together and, um, you know, we treasure those, the four of us. I wish I could read more. I get into bed and I'm, I don't need the wind down read. I'm gone. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. So yeah, not a huge amount of downtime at the moment, but I think the run for me is, is the clarity in the morning to set up the day and it's me time and it's quiet and no one's around. It's dark. So it's kind of like a moving meditation, I guess. If I was going to ruffle through your glove box and your centre console, what kind of things would I find? Oh, God. <laughs> um, in here, I reckon you'll find a comb. You'll find a security pass. This, this, oh, there we go. I was like, this car's so fancy. I can't even know. You'll find, like, maybe a moisturiser. Oh, yeah. Is there any food? Um, there's mints. Oh! So you could eat mints. Spare pair of sunnies, quells. Oh, my gosh. So that's because my husband gets sick and he couldn't oh. buy adult quells. So he's got kids', kids quells. quells. <laughs> so he pops two of them. There's nothing in there. Safety first. Yeah, Very safety good. kit. Um, yeah, we're pretty tidy at the moment. So I'm surprised this is that there's no food because there's always food when food. there's kids' seats. Maybe it's in the seats. I'm surprised by this too, Anthony. There's usually like pretzels or popcorn everywhere. <laughs> that seems to be like that snack that they have in the car because it keeps them busy. I did just swap over to this car recently. So this hasn't seen the full effect of a summer or a winter of driving so yet. How bad did the other car get? Did, did there's like... just, there's a lot of dirt. There's a lot of dog hair. There's a lot of popcorn and a lot of sand. <laughs> Those things, I just, there's a lot of them back there. Um, so there's now a used Lexus in market with um, you can a get some history. You can get some free dog hair from my Golden Retriever, Utah. It doesn't <laughs> really come off the black upholstery all that well, so that's why we've got the lighter leather at the moment. <laughs> it's a bit easier to clean. So you've been part of sports coverage for you know many years. How do you find it as a, a woman in sport media? Because it, you know, more and more there are more women, but it's still you know not balanced. Yeah, uh, I've never had too many issues with it. I think partially because I I have a blokey edge to me, if you get what I mean. Like, I love sport and I love what I do. And, yeah, I have a lot of friends who are who are males. So, and I don't think about it. I, I think for me it's best person for the job. I'd love more women who genuinely love sport to be involved in it. Um, we've got some absolute crackers on our seven horse racing team at the moment, that's because they really know their stuff um, and they love working as part of our team. Um, and production side of things as well, we've got some really um, some really cool chicks um, who love working with them and, and, and Steph. There's been other points in my life where I think it's been maybe hard for certain men to see things from a woman, like a woman's perspective. And not that that's grossly different all the time, but... You know, if you're a mum, a woman's perception of, um, you know, how the day might be structured as a working mum is going to be invariably different to a, a guy who doesn't have kids or someone who has older kids. So I think that's, you know, maybe been one of those things in the past that has, you know, caused some discussions about, you know, how to balance things. But for me, it's best person for the job. If you love sport and you're good at your job, then do it. So as a mum and a mum in media, how did you find this media scrutiny or just the way people treated you when you were pregnant and then had kids? Because it's obviously very different from being a dad in media. Yeah, it is. Um, I I have a Twitter account, but I haven't been on Twitter for like eight or nine years. So I 
stay off that because you don't need to read stuff about yourself. Like, why Why would you want to? Mm. It's very, like, narcissistic to want to do that. But also, like, if there's good things, that's great. But if there's bad things, like, who cares? So I don't – I'm not on Twitter um, and I don't go searching for any, any attention for myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think – there is a fascination with people who work in media who are mums. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the balancing act of it or a lot of us get back to work really quickly. Mm-hmm. Part of that is the, due to the fact that we're contractors and yeah. we have to work to be able to support ourselves and our families. You know, I I'm, I'm, wasn't afforded 12 months paid maternity leave. Um, you know, that's not something that as a contractor... I was able to do, so I had to get back into work quickly. I never had any commentary I don't think about my body or anything. Maybe I just, I think I'm, I live in my own bubble. Mm. I think that's, <laughs> I think you've learnt this now. <laughs> I live in a bubble where I just love what I do. Yeah. I love work. I love working in a team. I just absolutely love sport. love my family. Like, I, I'm pretty simple in that I just don't overcomplicate things. Um, I don't like looking for you know, external praise or, you know, conversations that involve me. I don't get involved with office politics. I just do what I have to do, try and bring a great vibe, have fun, try and teach my kids the value of a dollar and the fact that to be able to have a lifestyle that you want or just to be able to live, you need to work. So, yeah, I know that's probably not the answer you're after. But but is that... I guess, your your mantra there, not to be in a bubble, but to kind of reflect on yourself and keep what's keep important to, myself, to you yeah. close to you? I think so. I think um, when you start reading things about yourself or listening to um, commentary about you, like, one, I just find that so self-indulgent. And I just, that's one thing I just don't like. But also, why put yourself through that? Mm. Like, why does it matter? You know, I've had people in the past, you know, talking about my voice and you know, it's annoying or it's this. I go, yeah, what's well, my voice? Like, what do you want me to do? Like, that's how I speak. That's my voice. It's like me saying, I don't like your face. <laughs> or like, do you know what I mean? Well, I just, and that's you, not a nice thing to say either, so I just don't. Did you find listen. that scrutiny more when you got into radio? Was that more again, so in radio than in television? Again, I've only probably heard it a few times because I live in, a, I live in my own little bubble. So it's probably out there. It's probably commentary that is more widely available if you're searching for it but yeah my kind of mantra I guess in life is have fun be nice work hard many moons ago when I first moved to Melbourne I was like well I'm living in Melbourne now I'm gonna go to the spring racing carnival yes I entered myself in Myers fashions on the field yes as you do um at 22 years old with no money buying the cheapest suit I and I you know strapped my stuff I had the number had the photo fantastic Obviously, did not make it to the second round, mm-hmm. which is, you know, heartbreaking. But the, the guy who ended up winning, I think, was a model and he was starred by his fashion designer girlfriend. So I had no chance. Um, what advice would you give to me or to any, um, you know, uh, aspiring, aspiring fashion fashions on the fieldy? Field. Yeah, um, fieldy, yeah, yeah. Fielder, fieldy. Uh, you know, how do you dress to impress on you know, the oh, runway? Oh, you poor love. Good on you for giving it a go. I just think go for colour, go for something that suits your personality and have something that fits well. I reckon that's, you know, tailoring is underestimated. If you buy a suit and you go, I reckon it looks good, take it to your local tailor and get them just to put the finishing touch on things. I think that's the thing 
that really catches an eye when things fit really well. Um, I know nowadays, like I haven't sat on one of those judging panels for a long, long time, but there's a lot of accessorising going on, right? Mm. Like there's always a pocket chief and like the tie. There's like a lot of men wearing hats, overcoats, like the sock. There's, gosh, there's lots of things. There's so much to think about. But for me, I think it's like colour and dressing in a, a style or a pattern or a whatever it is that reflects your personality. Let me know if you ever make it onto these panels again, and I might enter that year. Maybe you know, insider, insider trading. I, I can be, I can be bought. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we wrap up, um, in the future, who would be your ideal, you know, interview subject? Like, who would you love to just sit down and just, you know, have a chinwag with? I wish I'd had the opportunity before he died to have sat down with Bart Cummings for a couple of hours. Um, I was lucky enough to meet him a couple of times, but you know, never really interview him. And I would, I would have loved that opportunity. I think it would have been a good laugh, but also very enlightening as well. What an incredible mind he had. Um, very lucky that I've already chatted to the great Usain Bolt, and that was um, that was pretty special. In the world of sport, oh gosh, there's so like there's so many people that. Um, I'd love the opportunity to chat with um, Kyle Chalmers is actually one of them and Emma McKeon. Kyle being uh, a polarising figure but an absolutely incredible swimmer um, and Emma McKeon being, um, you know, that she's the greatest Olympian that we've ever had. Mm. Um, she's a quiet, reserved, um, softly spoken kind of character but I'd love to be able to maybe pop open a bottle of wine with her and, and see what really makes her tick. There's so many, like, and I'm, yeah, I'm lucky at the moment I'm getting that opportunity to to chat with a lot of those kind of guys, you know, working on the Olympics the last couple of years and, um, you know, the Commonwealth Games. But anyone who's got a story to tell and has achieved a lot, I've always got time to sit down and try and learn something. Before I let you head back home to see how much mess the kids oh, are made <laughs> in the kitchen, <laughs> uh, I like to ask all our guests this. Um, if you had to summarise your life in the terms of a road trip, you know, they've got twists and turns, ups and downs, lots of different scenery. How would you describe your life so far? Ooh, I'd say my life has been a, I've got a good life. You know, there's definitely been ups and downs and um, challenging moments in my life but everybody has those. So, you know, it hasn't been a treacherous drive, but it definitely hasn't been like a lap around Centennial Park at 40 k's an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say it's been a, 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 it's been the right drive. Can I say that? Yeah, I like it's, that. I mean, I don't have analogies as to where I've been going or, you know, where I've come from, but every creek that I've had to drive through or every uh, hill that I've had to drive over, Every obstacle that I've had to drive around, they've all been there for a reason. So uh, it's been the right drive. Well, Emma Friedman, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking me along for the ride. Thanks for jumping in my car, Anthony. It's been a, it's been a joy. Along for the Ride is a listener and car sales production hosted by me, Anthony Matafali. Producer is Kelsey Menzies, audio by Kelly Fulston, and executive producer is Todd Stevens. Listener.